Independently targeting particle beam failings. Rock! Fry half a city with this puppy. We got tactical smart missiles, base plasma pulse rifles, RPGs, we got sonic electronic ball breakers. We got nukes, we got knives, sharp sticks. Knock it off, Hudson. Alright, gear up. Was there an alien on board? Yes. Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. This is episode 41. This week, or whatever, we are tackling uh, the kind of our reaction to the trailer for Blade Runner 2049, um, and then we're going to talk about Arrival, because we really haven't really exhausted Arrival and our perceptions of it and what we think. Uh, Peter's back after his hiatus, um, and uh, so so we're all together, and Ryan's here, and... um, uh, so yeah, so uh, have I'm have the Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner trailer going on in the background as well. Um, so I'm interested to hear what you guys think about it. Do you do you guys kind of want to watch it together, and then as we go, we'll just say whatever comes to us, and then at the end we'll discuss it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so Ryan, do you have it up? Uh, I don't, but uh, I. I... I just watched it last night. Yeah, so I've seen it so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, I guess my first impressions before uh, we get uh, into kind of more details of it was uh, it was just a very myster- it was very mysterious. It was just I thought it was a perfect teaser for the film. Oh yeah. Um, really, right. there's a lot. There's a lot of subtext there. There's a lot going on. A lot of questions. It brings up that uh, you know that. Um, that really gets me excited to see where they take the story and um, what they do with Gosling's character and what they do with uh, Rick Deckard and see what happened over those 30 years between the two films. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I just love the visuals of the, uh, of the, uh, the film, and of the, at least in the trailer, just that kind of orange, orange hue yeah. to it. Um, and uh, it was just, uh, it had that, um, it felt like a Blade Runner movie, but it, just, but it felt like Danny Villeneuve really, um, this is really his project. This is his film, mm-hmm. and, he's, uh, and he's making it his own. And, um, and I mean, I, I think he's just brilliant, so I, I just can't wait for it. I'm, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> so, yeah. 
That was Peter, everybody, clearing his throat on camera, on, on mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, you know, I agree. Like, I, the first, I mean, obviously the, the trailer opens up and it's smoke and it's the street and it's, it's similar to the way the Alien Covenant trailer opens where it's like telling you right away, we're back in Blade Runner territory. Right. Um, yeah, there's, there's no bullshit. There's no beating around the bush with this. It's like, this is Blade Runner. This is how we're doing it. And let's tease you a little bit on the way there. Totally. Totally. And it's 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 dense. You know, there's atmosphere. And, of course, you see um, Officer K, which is um, Ryan Gosling's character, walking through the streets, much like Deckard was walking through the streets in the original Blade Runner. Um, mm -hmm. and so I love the setup. I just love your it just that immersive. It's very immersive. Um, which yeah. us, us sidebar. If anyone's looking for a real um, uh, the soundtrack to Blade Runner that's really long. It's almost as long as the whole film. Um, that's really immersive. Like you're in the 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 environment of Blade Runner. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's awesome. I listen to it all the time. It's every piece of music and sound and full tracks too. And there's a piano part in there, like this cascading piano that's really beautiful. Anyways, yeah. Um, end sidebar. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I I really the next scene. You know, you see, um, Officer K. Ryan Gosling walking. You know, uh, it, you know, in this desert area and it's it's you know desolate and it's, of course it's very orange mm -hmm. i love the orange as well um and then you see him kind of walking up to this big head like that you know looked like it was made out of uh, a frame like a, a big like metal frame and uh i don't know yeah. what else they use but i it... i got something out of that there are two things actually since since i'm watching it as we speak the first thing that came to my mind when i saw the image of him walking in the desert or wherever this is because it could be dust you know yeah um first of all that just that's burnt into my mind i mean you know there's some parts of certain films you see once and they're with you forever like the first time you see darth vader in star wars but yeah. the, the first thing that came to mind was when holden was running the void comp on uh I can't remember his name right now. The, the first, uh, Leon, yeah. the first replicant, he says, you're in a desert. Just that right there. It's like, boom. You're walking alone in a desert. Yeah. And then I think what the statue represents, or the destroyed statue, it could be like, this is mankind's downfall. You know, you, you see a statue of a head, and it's all beat up and destroyed. And maybe in the 30 years since Blade Runner, you know, society's really gone down the shitter because it wasn't that great to begin with. Yeah, it's 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 certainly really interesting. Um, you know, I actually uh, Bill brought this to my mind. He was quoting Blade Runner, um, and well, there's also some parallels between uh, that image of the head that we're seeing in 2049 and. Frankly, quite frankly, the the head in Prometheus, um, it's similar mm -hmm. iconography or uh, very iconic, a very iconic image. Um, and yeah, and then there's the scene, the next scene where he's walking into the building and it continues that orange hue, but it reminds me of the Tyrell building or it reminds me yeah. of when Decker yeah, goes. Like and right in the back. Yeah, and it's got the same feeling that you had when Deckard went to the Tyrell Corporation initially and he met Rachel. It's that same, like, 
expansive. It even has like the same kind of lighting. Yeah, absolutely. So they're certainly setting us up. Um, and then later on in the trailer, I mean, we can continue talking about it, whatever. But skipping over, you know, there's in in uh, in Blade Runner, Harrison Ford wakes up and he goes, "I dreamt music." And in uh, the trailer mm. for 2049, you see. Officer K putting his finger on the piano. It's the same exact note. Same note, yeah. That Deckard played in Blade Runner. Oh yeah. Um, so there's some similarities, and it's almost informing. Well, is this the same character? Is this the same model? But it's a it's a, a little bit reconfigured. Who knows? There's a lot that it's you know that we're seeing. There um, are so many different avenues that this could take, and I'm quite frankly, I have not been excited for. I've not been more excited for a film since this. Yeah. I'm more excited for this than I am for Covenant, and I don't mean to I would disrespect agree. I would agree. what we love. Totally. But. Well, I think there's more. They showed us so much without showing us anything, you know. Uh, I mean, they showed yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, the images told the stories with, with Covenant. Well, I mean, really, there wasn't a lot of talking in the Covenant trailer, but it's just it's just a different. Um, Blade Runner is a very existential, esoteric experience in general right. it's a film that's heady um that's not a classic narrative like spaceships let's go get the aliens or whatever it's 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 a study it's the study of mankind man versus machine well it's yeah may, maybe not even just versus machine it's 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 who or are rather we? man in the world with machines well it's and, who are we what you know what makes us who we are and uh kind of exploring the relationship between man versus creation um, and creation versus man and are, you know, what that means to create life. And, um, you know, even the scene in Blade Runner where Zora is killed, it's a sad scene. Um, and you kind of mm -hmm. see her at the end and she's on the ground and we feel sad for this, this, this robot, you know? Um, yeah. and then it comes into question, well, why do we feel sad for this thing? Um, do we have responsibility over these things that we make? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's there's a lot of um, ethical and moral questions put into play in Blade Runner. Blade Runner is not the film. The film that you're seeing on the surface is working behind the scenes on many different levels, yeah. asking many, many questions. And I think Denis Villeneuve is the best director for it. Yeah, I can't think of anybody better, honestly. Yeah, the philosophical subtext of the films is uh, just so deep and layered. Um, there's so much to it, and uh, I just love those um, the stories that explore, you know, what what it is that what is it that makes us who we are, human. Um, what if machines were invented, um, androids, uh, replicants, you know, um, that did that. Em emulated human, human beings so well that they're indistinguishable from human beings. Will we, will we feel for them? Will we care? Uh, it, it actually reminds me, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Animatrix uh, films, short oh, yeah. films, but oh, yeah. there's one where it shows kind of the, um, the, it was sort of like two prequels to the original Matrix, yep. and um, it showed a a machine that looked human and these um, people were beating it to death um, and the machine was pleading for its life. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, it's graphic. it really got, I, got to me while I was watching. I was like, man, um, and I felt this 
um, I felt sadness, and I felt like I, and this was just, you know, they, they kept beating it, they ripped the skin off, they showed the metal underneath, yeah. which is the machine, but I felt for this thing. And it was a woman. Like, it was very, is, yes, yeah, it, was, it was a woman, and it almost was set up like a rape scene in some ways, where they're confronting yeah. her, you know, and they're tearing her clothes yeah. off, and you see her kind of naked, but then you all of a sudden quickly see that she's a robot, but there's these, right. all of a sudden, it's an ethical and moral conundrum, like... Mm-hmm. What what are we doing? Does it matter because it's a robot? Um, and yeah, the what do and you know? There's another. Uh, there's a uh, a company in um, Boston, and they work on um, like robotics, and they've been making. You guys might have seen the videos yeah. that are going on, on Facebook, and you see these kind of dog like things, and they're running around. Some of them are running uphill outside. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this there's this one video where um, this guy's trying to kick this thing just to show you that it won't fall over. Um, Right, and it's interesting yeah, yeah. because I've noticed... And it looks so real. It does. And I've noticed when he kicks it, my mind thinks, oh, I hope the thing is okay. Like, I don't want him to kick it. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm... Right. I'm uh, what do you call it? It's... I'm kind of giving this this robot these... The, I'm giving it uh, sentience. And I'm giving it like, oh, I hope it's right. okay. Like, I felt bad for it. But it's just... It's a machine, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> so I, I just... I, I love that. And there's no clear answer. You know, I mean, um, even in terms of, and this is what I love about Blade Run, because here we are, we're kind of moving off of it, but we're staying in the same, we're st- it's, it's, it's asking these big questions. And even in terms right. of the way we treat animals, where years ago, you could, people could do whatever they wanted to their animals, nobody would care. Now, it's a crime right. to abuse an animal, to not feed an animal. You could get arrested and put in jail for this stuff. Um, right. This is how it should be. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, but I think as we, and obviously we are moving towards AI. We're moving towards, we've seen it. We see it everywhere. We are moving towards right. uh, autonomous robots. Um, yeah. And it's it will eventually happen. I mean, maybe when I'm very old, um, but we will see them, you know, in our life. I mean, we already have like, you can go on uh, Kickstarter or whatever, or even Amazon and buy these yeah these things that sit on the table and they have these eyes that light up and they can do all these things for us. And even then when mm-hmm. I see those things, I'm like, Oh, you know, because <laughs> uh, I care about it. I don't know why I care about it. Toyota just came out with that uh, travel buddy in Japan. Yes. It sits in your cup holder yes. and you can talk to it yep. and it remembers things. I've it's seen like that. totally sentient. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene in Blade Runner um, when um, Pris is killed. Um, when he first shoots her, she kind of, it looks like she's obviously malfunctioning. So she's thrashing around and her voice is crazy sounding. Um, yeah. And she almost reminds me of a spider that's dying in some ways. But yes. I feel this sense of loss for her, you know. Um, even though she's kind of out to kill Deckard, even him, you see it in his eyes like, what am I? What have I done? And even when he killed Zora, you see this sense of, of uh, responsibility like... Uh, yeah, there's just this deeper sense, and I, I I just love those questions. Um, and there's no real clear answer. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Well, I don't care about killing spiders. So I, don't <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just love that. And you know, the Alien series um, explores it not to the same extent that Blade Runner does, but it does have the. You know, um, and I think Covenant's going to reach into that a little bit, you know, with David um, talking about, does David have a soul? Does he, um, 
does he really feel? Does he really, um, you know, understands, uh, you know, emotions or understands, you know, um, humanity? Can, does he emulate humanity so well that he basically is, um, or is he something? Maybe he's something even greater. Um, yeah. And they might, they probably might explore that in. Uh, probably look at that in Blade Runner. Um, and you know, maybe this is maybe AI will will succeed us. Will be will go beyond humanity and become a greater greater species. Um, you know, so just. Uh, I just love that. I mean, it's it reaches such a deep core about, um, you know, like you said, Jamie, just about who we are, what makes us who we are, um, and uh, and it doesn't really. Um, and another great thing is it doesn't like directly answer. It makes it, you know, it leaves it open for discussion, interpretation, and you know, it makes us think. You know, it treats the audience like there's you know intelligent. Yes, you know, and that's that's. Um, that's something that obviously is lacking from films of late. Um, you know, especially this past year in the summer, it was just uh, it was just a, a hot mess of idiotic movies. So, so, so it's good. I, I really hope this is uh, Hollywood um, going in the right right direction. And there was even an article recently about Denny Villeneuve um, actually being kind of the front runner or the kind of uh, leading this change in Hollywood to make smart movies again, yeah. you know, and make, and make movies that make the audience feel um, like they're being treated respectfully and that uh, they're not, they're, they're spending, you know, at minimum, you know, like 15 bucks uh, for a ticket to see this, see this film. And they, I mean, we don't want to, two hours of our lives wasted because yeah. we're getting tired of it. And, Not looking um, at anybody Independence yeah. Day. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that movie. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm thinking of actually tweeting Roland Emmerich to pay me back for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, That's good. <laughs> I, get, I get what you guys are saying. It really seems like whether to his own intention or not, Denny Villeneuve really is kind of leading this forefront, not just with smart science fiction films, but smart films in general. Absolutely. Uh, to much deliberation, recently I watched Sicario for the first time. Oh, yeah. I'm so mad that I slept on it for a while, because I wanted to see it in theaters, but I didn't get the chance to. They showed it for like a day when I lived in Florida. Oh, I was really? like, eh, it'll come around, but... Man, <clears throat> like you guys were yeah, saying, like, ah, like you got, you guys were talking about exploring the themes of humanity and the human condition and going deeper. What really makes us human beings? Denis Villeneuve really captures that, and that's very evident in Arrival. Absolutely. Uh, let's get. Let's let's let's. Uh move on to Arrival eventually, but uh, there's some interesting things, though, that um, especially about uh, as we watch the trailer for Blade Runner 2049, again, we've kind of discussed the, the images that we see, um, although uh, we will say there's a dog in the image uh, when he's confronting Deckard. Um, there's a dog standing behind Officer K, um, which I didn't pick oh, up didn't on, and then that. actually Bill showed me. I was like, oh yeah, it's very interesting. And my first question was, is that synthetic or is it real? 
Um, mm. It might be kind of a tip of the hat. It'd be interesting if there's a glow to the eye. Um, but I, I think about what we're talking about in terms of humanity and um, Roy and Pris and Zora, they didn't have a hard time at all killing humans. Um, and so th at that at that point, they, you know, they're this threat to society. Um, so they're because banned. Because they're so dangerous. Yeah, because they're dangerous. And it's interesting. And, you know, when we see stories about people who kill other people, we're all aghast at it. Like, well, what's wrong with right. that? You know, um, and it's, we can't understand it, what it would take to kill another human. Um, and so we almost then equate those people on the level. Well, and, and part of it is um, when we look at Roy Batty or Pris um, or, you know, the kind of the evil replicants, um, and even in some ways Deckard, because Deckard's also kind of killing indiscriminately. He's killing these, yeah. he's ending, he's retiring, quote unquote, um, which is a kind of a nice word, these robots, um, but he's still ending their life. Um, right. But it's, it's, it's in a different context, but it's the same thing. Um, so, but we yeah, look, same we, thing with, with like a different word for it. Yeah. Um, well, it's, 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 it's a word that makes us comfortable called retiring um, because are they right. real or are they not real? And when we hear people hear about people who have, are killing other people who killed their children, who've killed whatever they do, crazy things in killing. We, the first question is, well, where's their humanity? They've lost their humanity. And the question yeah. about these, these replicants that are killing is, well, they're not human. They've lost their humanity is really, or are they just, you know, expressing a very real part of the human experience? Um, yeah. so there's these, mm -hmm. you know, there's these questions. So are, if the people who have killed, have they lost their humanity? Um, are they more robotic? Like, have they lost that, you know, I mean, I've seen, um, interviews with killers in, on trial and the ones who aren't remorseful. Um, and they're just, they're cold like a robot. Um, right. kind of autonomous. Um, yeah. And uh, just not. They really. just pretty much exist. They don't really have concern or regard for other humans. Yeah, I mean that's what we think for sure. Um, which makes, which is interesting because that's what makes the replicants dangerous. Is they don't have regard, you know. And, and kind of jumping back to, um, to David in uh, Prometheus because we're going to obviously see him again. And you know, this is like a, a Blade Runner slash Arrival episode, but. I think talking about AI brings up all these other questions for other things. And I think about right. David kind of experimenting on Holloway. Um, and it was sick, and we're like, well, he's a robot, so he doesn't have that sense. But then I think about, during the Holocaust, all the experimentation on the Jews, how they made purses, mm -hmm. and all these and lights, and lampshades, and all these things with skin, and it's sickening. Um, yeah. And, uh, but it wasn't done by a robot, it was done by a person. Um, these right. people that, mm -hmm. uh, and we, our first is, well, they've lost their humanity. Something's wrong with them. Obviously, probably, but really is that, or is it just, it became such an okay thing that it was like, sure, that's fine. They're not people anyways. They're, they're less right. than us. And I think even in Blade Runner, you, you, when Roy and Pris and everyone are together, there's this sense that we're better than all of them. We're stronger than all mm -hmm. of them. They're not you know, who gives a shit? Uh, we can kill him. We can do all these things. You know, and even the way uh, Pris put her fingers in Deckard's nose and was dragging him across um, the floor. Um, and it was weird. It was kind of gross. 
but she didn't care about it. She had no sense I of think, there was no sense I of, think of part of their uh, disregard. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <clears throat> I think part of their disregard also stems from the fact that they don't have much longer to live. True. They're gonna die anyway. That's why they came back to Earth. So they're like, we don't give a fuck. We're gonna die anyway. Yeah. Well, and that can be said for us too. We're gonna die anyway. So who cares? We will eventually die. Um, right. <clears throat> uh, but the question Except is, except the Rothschilds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but the question really is, is um, this this idea of loss of humanity and what makes us human? What really does make us human? And uh, at the end of Blade Runner, um, it was like this. Uh, you see Deckard going through this awakening. He meets this girl who he realizes isn't, isn't really a girl. Um, it's a, a kind of this organic robotic girl. Um, but his uh, his love is awakened. And it sounds mm-hmm. kind of cliche, but... And then at the end, you hear, you know, the, you know, the famous line, too bad she won't live. Then again, who does? Um, and he sees the unicorn. He has these moments. You see, they're flashing. And you've seen his dreams and the unicorns. And this moment that, hey... I'm here to love her. I can love her. It doesn't matter. You know, um, this is what matters. And, you know, and he, before all of this, before he meets Rachel and even before when he meets Rachel, um, and he kind of, you see him kind of, it's almost uncomfortable because he's kind of forcing her to kiss him and to repeat these things. Say, I want you, I want you, you know, it was weird. It was almost rapey, you know? Yeah. Um, I get get really uncomfortable when I watch that part. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Nobody really talks about that. It's this rapey feel, but, but at the same time, Deckard says, this isn't a girl who cares. Um, that's what I'm understanding. So, so I'm telling this robot, that I want pleasure from her, you know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's this moral conundrum, this moral ethical gray area where we're like, oh, this doesn't feel right. But then later on, we see him, We Rachel's kind of unraveling. You see her emotions. She's realizing what she is. It's almost right. her sentience. It's her sentience into, yes, I'm not what I think I am. I am not human. Um, and it, it tears her up. And then Deckard... Right sees that and it affects mm-hmm. him it sees her emotion um and it, yeah. it really affects him and i love that i love it and and then mm-hmm. later on he's like no i think i love this girl you know despite yeah. what she is yeah i mean um and with her i mean that's, to me it shows a lot of humanity when she is she does realize she's not human and she kind of breaks down and um, she has this intense emotional response. It's like, you know, that that feels very human to me. It feels very real. Well, would, would um, you guys say that part of the human experience is dealing with suffering? Totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I think there's a lot of human characteristics to uh, the replicants oh, in for sure. Blade Runner. For sure. And, mm-hmm. and to a greater extent, even Deckard, because, you know, while he has not a lot of regard for the replicants that he kills you can see that once he starts killing he really starts to question like who he is and his humanity and he's like why am i doing this yeah yeah like when he retires zora like that whole scene which i think is probably the best in the whole film like as soon as he's like move get out of the way yeah and then he starts shooting Mm -hmm. you can see in his eyes that he's like i i really don't want to do this Mm -hmm. yeah and then on the flip side Totally. And on the flip side, you see this creature, this creature made by man, trying her best. It's the fight or flight. She's trying to live. 
She wants to live. That's all she wants to do. And she was fine. She wasn't killing anyone. She was working in a nightclub. She was harming no one, but she had to go because of who she yeah. was. Um, and that brings in a whole nother level of, well, oh, we don't, we don't approve of this, so they can't, you know. And actually, I have some issues with, um, there's one of the questions even about Blade Runner where um, towards he, uh, Decker's like, hey, I only have two more. And and uh, his boss is like three or whatever, uh, and you're mm. like that skin job at at Tyrell. And I was thinking, well, if it's she's working for Tyrell, who cares? Like, I, it's weird that I, I was always I kind of misunderstood. Like, who Tyrell? They're making replicants that they ship off world. Um, there's mm-hmm. going to be replicants in the company. Why is she pose a threat all of a sudden? They didn't know about right. her before. Uh, I was just one of those questions that I had. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 even very interesting with Deckard and uh, Deckard feeling like oh I'm done I don't want to do this anymore. Well, why wouldn't he want to do it anymore? They're not real, you know. Um, right. Mm-hmm. What's what's affecting him emotionally? What's affecting him psychologically that he doesn't want to do it anymore? Um, yeah, maybe it's how he was programmed. It's possible, and I know that that's a toss up. Whether is Deck Deckard real? Is he or is he a replicant? And I don't. And, and Villeneuve said that he wasn't going to answer that question. And I don't think they should answer that question. They should. Ask, right. We should question it. And I think even the trailer makes us question: Well, is Deckard real? Is is Officer K a new version of Deckard <clears throat> with the same programming? Just it looks a little bit different. They wearing similar jackets, of course. Officer K's jacket's different, but I love that jacket. By the way, I want it. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'll complement the drive jacket very well. Yes. Yeah. Um, I did want to touch on um, this idea of, um, you know, not people not buying into like a ideology and then being kind of um, sort of expendable or, um, you know, not not worthy of living. You know, but, but that's kind of this. Uh, it kind of reminds me of the kind of ex- Islamic extremism, terrorism. You know, it goes. They people are oh, people don't buy into this what we believe, um, well, then the, we'll just kill them. I mean, we yep. not, uh, yep. and it's almost a sociopathic, um, response that it just seems like they just don't care, you know, like the, the Nazis did. It's like, they just fully bought into this belief of what they, what they believed in was correct and that everyone else was wrong. And then for being wrong, they should die. Um, and for not being, um, you know, part of not believing what they, what they believe in. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's just really interesting to me, um, you know, that, uh, you know, the Blade Runner series that, you know, they, they're supposed to be, you know, be able to just retire these, um, these replicants without any, um, any remorse or guilt, but, uh, but, but the audience feels it and Deckard starts feeling it and it's, um, and it's, it just really touches on, you know, is, are these living, are these technically like sentient living be- beings that we should care about? Yeah. I feel like we should care about them because just cause they're not made of actual, you know, not born of, of a womb made of flesh and blood doesn't mean that I don't think it means that we should just disregard them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, just just touches on the, the very basic, you know, feelings of, you know, compassion, remorse, um, uh, understanding, wanting, wanting what's best for humanity and wanting what's best for even 
creations that um, that emulate or that you know emulate humanity may not be exactly human, but they they are as you know self more human than and, human. Right. Yeah. They're um, but they're just as valuable, um, and they have, they have an intrinsic value to them that we should care for them. Yeah. Um, and, um, and we yeah. see these themes played out. Like you think about Star Wars, and you think about R two and C three PO, and there's characters we love. And when something's mm -hmm. happening with C three PO, we're laughing, or R two or C three PO as well. But R two's doing whatever, or he makes these sounds, and we're like, oh, R two. Why do we feel that way about a robot and a robot with these? You know, why have we given him human emotions? Why do we care about R two? You know, yeah. why do we? That's, right. that's, you know, why do we care about Rachel? Right. Do you, why, mm -hmm. why do we care about Rachel? Do we care about her because she's pretty? Do we care? Why do we care about her? But also, though, Rachel, um, there's this scene um, in, in, in Blade Runner where um, Deckard starts reciting Rachel's memories. He's like, those aren't your memories. Those are Tyrell's. Her world is They're crumbling around her. Tyrell's niece. You know, her, her world is absolutely falling apart. And so now she is, well, who am I? But it's the mm -hmm. same questions we ask ourselves as humans. Who are we? Um, yeah. And it's the same question Deckard had. Deckard was, who am I? And Deckard, I don't think Deckard would ask, was asking that in terms of, am I a robot or am I human? Deckard was, well, where do I belong in this world? And, and right. when, all of, um, when all of the facade of Rachel's existence, she's not Tyrell's niece, those aren't her memories, they're all programmed in, they're photos of other people, then, well, who are you, woman? Created woman. Who are you uh, now that you don't have all of these things that society gives you? Who are you? And that's a question mm -hmm. we have to ask ourselves. Who are we? Um, and that's a question we're always trying to figure out. Who are we? Where do we belong in this world? Um, does our does whoever maybe we're dating, does that tell us who we are? Uh, does mm -hmm. uh, our opinions tell us who we are? Do our political opinions tell, who we, tell us who we are? Or does... And this, again, this is a little bit existential, esoteric, but does our love tell us who we are? Does our ability to love people and love things that can do nothing for us? And that's, a, and that's something that goes around Facebook, you, these, this quote saying, you know the quality of a person and how they treat something that, they can, it, that can do nothing for them. And I think that yeah. that quote can be extrapolated, uh, or I don't think that's the right word, um, but it can be used in Blade Runner and probably Blade Runner 2049 and certainly in the mm -hmm. Alien films. Um, how do we treat androids that can do nothing for us? How do we treat them? Um, and yeah. why do we treat them that way? Um, and really, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the question of humanity. And even and this is kind of getting off into kind of philosophical things, but of course I love phil philosophical ideas. But <laughs> you think about our, our, yeah, our, our, our actions on, on social media. Um, and we can type in something on social media and say, I don't agree with that opinion. Fuck you. Um, or <laughs> I love that movie. Stop attacking it. Fuck you. You know, um, or we can on social media. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know. Everybody agrees with everything. <laughs> um, but, Especially and, on our page. I know. And the question, and the question is, um, how do we treat even a, an opinion that does nothing for us? Do we say, oh, hey, I don't agree. But hey, I'm glad you you know like the film or whatever. Or hey, I don't agree with this this opinion on, on this political person or this opinion on this political idea or this opinion on this movie yeah. or or whatever. But I I honor you your humanity, anyways. And we can agree to yeah. disagree, but we all 
have blood running through our veins. We all have fathers and mothers, most of us, or at some time did. And can we connect on that level? You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's this, it's this call to kind of the angels of our better nature. And I think Blade mm-hmm. Runner, the best of Blade Runner, and even kind of walking into, as we talk about Denis Villeneuve, and then we can, as we moved into Arrival, um, it's the same thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. he, he trades in that stock of, well, who are we as people? Um, right. And what 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 it's language. It's uh, how do we how do we get along together? Um, how do we mm-hmm. get along when we can't speak together? Um, what do we use? What can we find to use? Yeah. So that's my waxing philosophic. Um, but these are the <laughs> things that I ruminate over over and over and over. And in fact, and I know mm-hmm. Ryan and I talked about this a little bit, but just a lot of this is uh, our lack of reverence um, where we've lost our lack of reverence as uh, as a culture, as a, as a society, mm-hmm. as an American society and as a world society. Hollywood has lost its reverence, which is why we get garbage every year mm-hmm. because they don't give a shit. Yeah. They're not, re- you know, they, they put they the just, stuff out they there. They just want to make... see the ticket sales. Yeah, they don't they'll... care about what they put out. Totally. They'll make their ticket sales for the first couple of weeks and then they've made their profit and onto the next CGI schlock mm-hmm. fest, you know? Um, yeah. They, and they, I don't they, think, go ahead. I was just going to say, they, they kind of lost their, um, their, the idea or the, the belief that film is art. They, they, it's film for them. It's entertainment. It's, it's just, uh, yep. it's a way to, yeah, it's just a way to make more money. Um, but film, I, True film, I believe, is an art form. An art form takes it has to be intelligent. It has to be um, it has to speak to audience in on multiple levels. And it's you know it's like any a beautiful painting that has a lot of subtext of poetry. Um, you know that means uh, something, right? Yeah, and it's just you know you put out movies that just uh, I don't know. I, I keep going back to like. The Independence Day or Jason Bourne or just like just movies that were just dumb and Transformers. Um, yeah. Oh Transformers. Yeah. Or so, Fast and um, Furious. Hey. hey. but it's just it's Um, just it's commerce though fast and furious is commerce it's a built-in audience and it's like well they'll 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 go see it and even if it doesn't make 500 million domestic it's going to make three and the budget was 40 million so we're going to make you know um it's it becomes commerce yeah and people keep going i mean they're paying you know paying millions tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to see these movies and it just it doesn't motivate Hollywood to make more reverent films. You know, it just says, oh, well, we can just put out this schlock, this garbage, and, uh, you know, um, you know, people are still going to go see it, and it makes people us People are going to enable know, studios to keep making movies like that when they go see right. it. Well, and that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing, too. The, the loss of reverence isn't happening just with Hollywood. It's happening with right. us. Um, especially with moviegoers, too. Yeah, well, because movies are everywhere. Um, movies are on our phones, they're on our iPads, they're on our computers, they're on our smart TVs. Um, no, I don't like this, I'm clicking to something else. And even in TV shows like Stranger Things, which I loved, I watched in three days, okay, what's the next show that I can watch? Whereas before, mm-hmm. we had we were forced into um, waiting every week. So uh, mm-hmm. a nine-episode show is going to take nine weeks. Um, and we were looking forward to it every day. Now it's just, oh no, here's every episode right now. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's Hollywood... 
and the studio system's giving us what we want. We're in this society where we want what we want right now. And because we can get mm -hmm. information, any information right now. So it's this loss of reverence across the board. And right. um, that's, it's killing movies. It's killing audiences with movies. It's killing studios. Um, it's, you know, yeah. uh, it's killing, part of it's killing the alien series. I mean, um, uh, you know, there was a real lack of reverence in, in Prometheus. And I think that's what a lot of people respond to. Um, and I know we're not really talking about Prometheus, but we're talking about reverence and uh, to get back to kind of Blade Runner and then we'll go 2049 and then we'll shift into Arrival. There was this, there's a reverence in the trailer. There's a reverence in Denis Villeneuve's style where it's quiet, even in his soundtracks, where you feel like this is important what we're watching. This means something. Right. It has value. Um, and mm -hmm. I, and I'll, I'll certainly raise my hand. Like I was like, where's that Alien Covenant trailer? Where's the trailer? Where's the trailer? I want the trailer. It shouldn't have been out. It should have been mm -hmm. out a long time ago. But really, I should. <laughs> but that's the society we're living in. And I'm not making an excuse yeah. for me, but that's me falling in line with everyone else. Like I want it right now. God damn it. You know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, the wait was good for us. And even now, mm -hmm. like I was, t I was talking with, uh, Aaron Percival and, uh, again, Aaron Percival runs AVP galaxy for people who don't know, um, a great, great site. Um, mm -hmm. and they have a Facebook page as well. And I was like, I was like, Aaron, why isn't the Covenant trailer in theaters? <laughs> I'm like, what are they doing? What is Fox doing? Um, but really, I think it's good for me and it's good for us to have to wait because that wait yeah. then gives us reverence. Mm -hmm. and it, it gives more meaning to what we finally get once we get it. Totally. It gives it value. Like with the uh, Blade Runner trailer, there was no hype for that. No. You know, it wasn't like, oh, well, maybe it'll come out this week or maybe it'll come out this year. Like the fiasco with the Covenant trailer. Yeah. But with Blade Runner, I mean, it was like a couple days before they're like, yeah, the trailer's been rated. We'll get it sometime soon. And then it just pops up out of nowhere, and the internet is like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was almost a collective, whoa, when the Blade Runner trailer came out. Because we weren't expecting yeah. it, really. Then we heard about the trailer being raided or something. And so then we saw it, I mean, and everybody was like... And, you know, even a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, when the a news was announced for Blade Runner 2049, um, were, were like, leave, this, leave Blade Runner alone. It doesn't need a sequel. And they're like, that Hollywood trash, right. they're trying to get this, they're trying to do that. And hey, I, those all those opinions are very, very valid. Um, because mm -hmm. we're living in this time of of these reboots or return to old films or old franchises like Star Wars, like Alien. Um, and yeah. Blade Runner's falling in line with that. Um Mm -hmm. it's, it's this return to this world, but uh, I really feel like Blade Runner is going to have something to offer offer us philosophically, um, cinematically. Um, it's going to stay in our consciousness. I, I I really believe it. I don't think Denny Newell Villeneuve is going to uh, um, get involved. He's with not going to let us down. He isn't. Um, what's funny? Yeah, I'm going to call missed. out Bill Bill Robbie. I hope you're listening because um, he we were talking about Arrival, and he's like, "Hey, Arrival was a good film." But Villeneuve didn't write it. Well, Ridley Scott didn't write Blade Runner either, and it's amazing. But so these or these, Alien or Alien <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, it's it's always this collaborative, this this collaborative effort with with film, and then obviously sometimes those collaboration work, don't work. Like a la Prometheus, uh, the story just yeah. really didn't work, even though there were great things happening in that story. You know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Arrival was written by, that's a short story that was originally called Story of Your Life yep. by Ted Chang. Yeah. Yeah, so let's get into Arrival. Um, yes. I think that's a great segue, Ryan, Peter. What? I said that was a great segue, Peter. <laughs> I just want, yeah, one last thing. I, yeah, I just wanted to kind of follow up on Denny Villeneuve. There's, I, I, personally, I feel like there's no way he would have signed on for Blade Runner 2049 if he thought it was just another cash grab. Um, you know, he's, uh, I was fully, I'm, I'm a huge fan, obviously I, I'm fully invested in his work. I really feel like he has, uh, he has this reverence for film as art and he does not want to see, he does not want to do a movie that he thinks is just, oh, let's just make a sequel to it. Cause it was, you know, it's considered one of the best sci-fi films ever. So we're just going to, yeah, just cause so we can, you know, just make some more money. I mean, this is. This is an art form for him, and he's gonna he's gonna treat it um, with a lot of uh, yeah reverence. reverence a lot yeah. of um, you know he's gonna it's gonna be a very special film, I believe. So I agree. He's, uh, yeah, no just like Arrival, and there is a transition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice oh, one, man. Ryan. <laughs> Thanks, man. Arrival. <laughs> wow. Uh, where to start? Where to start? Well, uh, yeah, Arrival was, was intoxicating from, um, and we're gonna, this is going to be spoiler, people. Arrival's been out for a long time. Um, so yeah, let, let's just talk so about it all. Feelings, if it hurts um, your feelings, and we spoil it, just get over it. Yeah, um, I <laughs> mean, from the first <laughs> sequence, I mean, and the sequence unfolding where you see uh, Louise played by Amy Adams, and you know, you see a birth of a daughter, and this excitement, and the daughter growing up, and you hear, you know. Um, conversations happening and then all of a sudden you see something the daughter getting older and older and then something happens and the daughter's in the hospital and then all of a sudden the daughter's dead and so right away you're taken like what's happening we're not really sure um and then the next moment you see this woman living alone and our idea is she's lost her daughter she's lost her life and she's she's working you know and she mm -hmm. um, so that's the groundwork for everything you know and so right away we feel the sense of compassion for louise louise um but yeah, I mean, I, I can't even, the movie affects me so much emotionally. Um, but yeah, what are your, what are you guys' thoughts? Um, I thought like one of the biggest points you really put up was that this is really a movie about being in the womb. It was very much like that. And then being a part of a new world and a changing world and then, I think you made a really good point. You said there's there's a lot about parenthood and and those sort of themes in the film. Yeah, totally. I, I thought it was a great movie. Um, I really liked the theme of language. And what really stuck out to me was how language could tie into something as concrete as time. Yeah. You know, the heptapod language is two forms, one of which is spoken and the other one which is written, and they're both unrelated to each other. But just, just the way that they process time in a nonlinear fashion, that really, really opened up some storytelling windows. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I just, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, I just love the, the theme of, you know, humanity working working together um, 
and coming together to try and make this world a better place. I mean, that's just, uh, it's really a timeless theme, but I just feel like it's so important nowadays that um, because there's just so much um, bickering and fighting between people and um, a lot of a lot of anger, especially um, here, you know, in the U.S. and a lot of the political environment, and just um, you know, it's it's been it's been difficult. And it, I know some people said that the the theme of arrival was a little too over, a little too um, maybe on the nose. But I just I thought it was great. I thought you know it, was it a, came out really at the important. right time. Yeah, and like I thought, you know, uh, right when the uh, right when the election season was coming to a draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just a very well timed movie. Well well timed film and it's just uh by yeah, I just love the the way it uh it treated treated the audience. It was it was slow it was quiet, it yeah. was mysterious, it uh it made you think about I mean it made you think about what was going on, um, what was really happening, what uh you know, how do I feel about these characters, um you know, the imagery of the scenes. There wasn't a wasted shot in that movie. Yeah. It was just uh, it was just uh, really beautifully done. And that's that's really what we need is this. Um, we, I want that awe and wonder again, um, yeah. like I had watching, you know, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind oh, yeah. or yeah. Alien or 2001 A Space Odyssey. I mean, um, just so many fantastic sci-fi movies um and uh and that's really i mean with sci-fi it's I, that's, I think that's why i love sci-fi so much is that it it does um and you mentioned it jamie it does ask the big big questions and it does um it doesn't answer them it leaves them mysterious and i felt like arrival is right along that with um you know uh yeah it did you know ask us to, uh, it, it, you know, show us that, you know, humanity should work together, obviously, to make the world a better place, but it was also very um, intelligent in the way it did it, and it, uh, it was still very mysterious and very, um, you know, just had this this slow, quiet, uh, reverent quality to it that I loved, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things that I think about with Arrival um and even kind of a reflection well you have obviously you have these big huge ships in all in all corners of the earth and no one knows why they are and people are afraid you know for sure um mm -hmm. but they're automatically afraid they they they're they're not you know we don't know if they should be afraid but the first response is fear um mm -hmm. and uh and then you go and you see louise trying to trying to discover their language trying to understand who they are um and i think about just the idea of language and um, it reminds me of, like, stories that we'll hear about uh, Muslim people on planes being thrown off because they're speaking in Arabic. Um, or you'll, they'll say, Allah Akbar. Um, like, God be with you, I think that's what that means. Um, mm -hmm. And, of course, a very uh, innocuous statement, but they're saying it in a foreign language, so it's making people afraid. Um, but because we have this built-in fear, this xenophobia, and I think really that's really... Arrival speaks to this this xenophobia that America has has had, um, where mm -hmm. uh, and this sense of the American kind of cultural and ethnic landscape changing, um, where we've had a group of people in charge um, who have always been in charge, 
um, namely mm-hmm. kind of Caucasian people. Um, but all that's changing. You know, we've had a, a president, kind of a multi-ethnic president um, for the past eight years. Um, but we're, we're, we're this, in some ways, we have been a very xenophobic country. Um, and right. I, I think, uh, but I think that's not just America. I think a lot of nations deal with that idea of foreigners, strangers, who are they? Why are they here? Um, and this gut reaction of, oh, they're here to, to take us, to kill us. And of course, in arrival, mm-hmm. that wasn't the case. But in order for us to understand that that wasn't the case, we had to take the time to understand their language. And that took time. Just like if you see a woman with a burqa or whatever walking down the street, um, or, mm-hmm. or let's, let's just even remove it one other, let's go one step back. We see homeless people. Um, and our, some people's my response is to not look at them in the eyes, to not, to not honor their humanity just with a, Hey, how are you? Um, and, right, yeah. um, but the more we get to know them, like I, I, when I was living in Pomona, California years and years ago, there's this homeless guy. I can't remember his name. Um, but he would always hang out in this house that I lived in downtown Pomona with these other guys. Anyways, long story short. The more I knew him, the more I knew his story. He actually was in a documentary that I made back then years ago. Um, mm. I knew him as a person. So uh, I he did he stopped being the homeless man and he became John or whatever yeah. his name was. Yeah. Um, and for Luis in Arrival, they stopped being the aliens and they started being, well, where's uh, Costello? Where is he? And yeah. then eventually you hear, well, Costello has started his death, his 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 his. His death, his death process, process or whatever. And I remember seeing that in the theater and I, my heart started breaking like, no, yeah. like, and we don't know these things. There's these big ominous things with these yeah. big tentacles and we're starting to feel bad because we've had, the time was taken to, to get to know their humanity, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's in all... A lot all, of people don't take that. To, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Cut me off. I don't care. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, I, talk a I was going to say, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's so, I, I love that, the theme of, uh, in arrival, just, you know, don't, uh, you know, Uh-oh. see, they have a, there's something about them. I mean, every human being is, is still a human being. I mean, you can't, um, whether you can't someone's that wearing that hijab. Right, yeah, whether it's a person's homeless or they're, you know, like you said, speaking Arabic. or I mean, we have these preconceived, a lot of people have these preconceived um, ideas, and even I do, too. I'm guilty we all do, of, I do, too, of, uh, totally. Of people, yeah, and, um, but, uh, you know, right, you know, I, I like arrival saying, you know, get to know these people, get to know people, get to know those, your neighbors, um, and learn, and love your neighbors, you know, it's like, um yeah, I mean, I know it's, you know, in, in the Bible, you know, it says love your neighbors as yourself. I just think that's a very, um, whether someone's a religious believer or not, I just think that's a great thing to just love one another Absolutely. and not not pass judgment on, on people just because of their appearance or, you know, um, not feel fear, feel like you can't look a homeless person in the eye, feel like you can't go and talk to someone wearing a, job and speaking Arabic and feel like, oh, they might, you know, or just, you know, have some, I feel like, you know, this person when you don't. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's just, uh, I thought it was beautifully done in Arrival. And, um, and I really hope it really impacted people and just, um, you know, and, 
and that, I hope that's the way that you know films are are going in the future to make a positive impact on people that it changes their lives. Yeah. You know. And, um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it makes me mm-hmm. think a little bit about prisoners, which uh, Peter, have you yeah. seen prisoners? No. Okay. You Not need, yet. You need to see it. But mm. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I have to spoil it for you. Uh, um, <laughs> but in prisoners, obviously, they think that um, that actor, what's his name? Dana, Paul Dano, Dano. Paul Dano, that's oh, his name, Paul Dano, yeah, sure. um, who is obviously autistic or something's wrong with him. Um, Hugh Jackman's character is convinced that he is the man who has kidnapped his daughter or the girls. Right. Um, and obviously they have, he is so convinced that Hugh Jackman begins to lose his humanity and then captures Paul Dano's character and keeps him caged and then turns on the hot water in the faucet and then the cold water in the mm-hmm. faucet, torturing these girls torturing them i mean this guy torturing him um and what's mm-hmm. happening in this t- it, it, what's happening is Hugh Jackman is slowly over time not seeing Paul Dano as a human he's seeing him right. as a monster um in mm-hmm. his mind it doesn't matter what he's done to them because he has seen them as a monster and then towards the end of the movie uh of course you find out that Paul Dano isn't the one who's taken these girls it's someone he knows but Paul Dano is is autistic. He's, he's, there's something wrong with him. Um, he couldn't right. have. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though he was a little bit associated with the person who did take these girls, um, he wasn't the person who did it. He wasn't the person mm-hmm. that Hugh Jackman and the other people were after. So there was this, oh shit moment you see in Hugh Jackman's face. Um, yeah. where it's, but it's too late. Hugh Jackman has right. gone there. He's crossed that line into the subhuman and treating this guy, you know, who Paul Dano then eventually looks like the elephant man. I mean, that's how beaten he is. Yeah, um, it's bad. Yeah. And even then mm-hmm. you see uh, the, the, the other parents who are horrified at first. They're horrified. Like, what is going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? But then something clicks with them as well. And they're like, well, uh, but our daughters are gone and he might be responsible. So who gives a shit? Yeah, um, exactly. But really, yeah. our, 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 the way we treat people, even people who are guilty, um, even... We treat um, them like subhumans. Yeah, it, that that's, tells a, a lot about who we are. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that... The, and I, we're kind of going off in a little bit in a tangent, but, like, I know there was the whole waterboarding uh, controversy back during the Bush era and how people were like, stop waterboarding, it's, it doesn't matter. And people are like, well, it doesn't matter, who cares? Uh, lives are at risk. But if it, it matters how you treat one life. It really does, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, to get back to um, kind of bringing it back to Arrival, um, again, the world thought, were wasn't sure what are these creatures here for? Why are they here? Are they here to destroy us? That was the thought. And of course it was escalating and escalating and escalating. And then they're like, Oh no, we're going to, we're going to destroy. And and remember the, um, those other guys, um, who planted the bomb inside of, um, yeah. Who planted the bomb inside of the, the ship because they were convinced that, um, this was not going to happen. And these, these, this thing, these, these creatures were out to destroy humanity. And of course, mm-hmm. and, and that's that moment where one of the heptapods threw, through um, Luis and Costello. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He threw Luis and the other guy, Jeremy Renner's character out, you know, they made sure that they were okay. So that when the blast occurred, they wouldn't be affected by it. And it was a beautiful mm-hmm. moment because it put their, um, Luis's life 
as it, it realized Luis was important. Her life was important. Even though she's not a heptapod, mm-hmm. she's a human. Obviously, she's not even... Um, she's a lower creature than them. But they saw yeah. her 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 worth, that, that yeah. she was worth something. And they thought, she's worth enough, and we've created a bond with her that we're not going to let this happen. Um, and it was a beautiful moment. And that's really yeah. what the film was about, I think. And they saw her worth because she valued them and saw their worth and they they cared about her and, and loved her and wanted to protect her. So just uh you know shows when you know, when we work together to show that care and love for one another, we can we can just do amazing things as a as people. Yeah. And uh and that expands to um you know, if if you know, going back to like AI and things like that, if we, if, you know, AI ever gets to that point, I mean, I think it's important to value it if it, if it really does um, have those feelings of wanting to, you know, care and love and have self-preservation and sentience, um, you know, those, just because it's not a human being doesn't mean it's not important to, to value it, yeah. um, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, unless it's like a Terminator, then you probably should take care of it. But. <laughs> well, that's, that's even interesting that you bring that up because Terminator is kind of the fear of robots. Robots out to destroy us, um, right, which yeah. is which is interesting. Even that's a flip on its head. And if you can, we can even get back to David or Roy Batty or whatever, um, even though we're on kind of arrival, but still, like, there's this fear that robots are out to destroy us. But then the I, I, the ir- the irony is we've created these things that that are now out to destroy us, or mm-hmm. these things that we. We've created have realized this this humanity business isn't isn't looking good so let's just eradicate the world of them you know and i can even right. understand that mm-hmm. too because you know um we as we are we are capable and this gets back to arrival too we are capable of such wonder of such understanding of such beauty you know we've all seen the videos on facebook of humans helping creatures in need and it breaks my heart not breaks my heart in a bad way but um like it just makes me all warm and fuzzy to see a man rescuing a deer or to see a woman rescuing a kitten or ducks crossing the road. And we're taking the time, yeah. you know, because really, say the ducks and her, a duck and her babies were walking across the road. Say someone kills them all. Okay, we would never even know. Um, but yeah. it's profound to us when we, when we take the time to do something uh, kind for something that can do nothing for us. Um, mm-hmm. And even still, if you go back to Arrival and you see these big heptapod things, and uh, they're taking the time to say, hey, no, in 3,000 years, we need your help. Um, yeah. At the mm-hmm. moment, humanity can do nothing for them. But it's not right. the moment they're com- they're concerned about. It's the 3,000 years the from now. Yeah. Which then... And by gifting them that gift of language yeah. and the nonlinear perception of time that will allow them to successfully help the heptapods, you know, three millennia down the road. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, Louise is actually presented with that same choice in some ways where she's re- she realizes she's having memories of a child she hasn't had that she knows is going to die. So she has to, she has the choice. Does she continue and have this baby? knowing that it's going to die or does she refuse that choice? 
Um, but of course, mm-hmm. we know she made that choice. She said, no, I'm, I will have this baby. Why did she make that choice? Because yeah. she wanted to share her love. She wanted to share her life because it was worth it to her. Um, mm-hmm. And then we kind of get the sense that Jeremy Renner's character, who ends up being the father, is really upset. And his, his relationship with his daughter changes when he finds out the truth. And even the yeah. little girl, she goes, Dad looks at me differently. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because he knows what's going to happen. But to Amy Adams, to Louise... It doesn't matter. It's this girl that she she gave birth to and she gave life to, and then it does matter. Even though we're gonna die, our love still matters. Treating people like humans yeah. still matters. You know. She would rather yeah. experience it Absolutely. and then go through the suffering than Absolutely. rather not let it happen at all. Yeah, because it makes her a better person. And even though her daughter is gonna die, she has those memories. She has that, however many seventeen years, eighteen years. Of, of wonder with that child and I think mm-hmm. really um, it, it, then it calls it an, into question you know um, it kind of bringing back you know kind of going for full circle um, the idea of reverence the idea of, tre- the idea of treating each of us with reverence the people that we meet on social media the people that we run into the people we see on the street with reverence of hey you are a life here maybe I don't understand you but I honor you even if we don't agree, right. I can I can love you more than I love my opinions of who you are, or, right, or my, right. my, I can love you more than I love than I love my own opinions of what I think you believe, which I think is important. And I think uh, we've right. kind of descended into that hell as a society. Um, and movies mm-hmm. like Blade Runner and Arrival force us back to think, well, who are we really, and what 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 matters? You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and the soundtrack. What did you guys think of the soundtrack? That's uh, the best part of the movie. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It. it yeah. Not so Golden Doll has the film score really just told its own story. Um, that counterparts the film perfectly. Like Johan Johansson did an amazing job. I don't think anybody better could have done it. Yeah. It yeah, was, he is already like. Phenomenal. Yeah, he's uh, he's already right up there with the best in the world when it comes to film scores, I think. Um, and uh, he's he just has this talent, this knack for his music helps tell the story as well, and it's um, it's just beautiful. I just, I love it. I love it in Prisoner, Sicario. Um, and uh, yeah, Rival. He's just uh, he's an amazing talent. And, it's uh, so atmospheric. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's very different than your kind of typical John Williams, who also was great. Um, and mm-hmm. if you, Johan uh, Johansson has been traveling around. He's also working on the score for Blade Runner twenty nine as well, twenty forty nine. Um, but he's been traveling around because he had a, a, a non soundtrack album come out, and he even says he doesn't see himself as a as a composer. Um, for films, mm. like a soundtrack composer, he just he's a he's a musician or whatever. Um, but the right. way he approaches his work is is it sounds different. Like he has a lot of layers, a lot of different it's sounds. So of, yeah, um, and it's but it, it transports you into this other place, you know. And even the soundtrack to Prisoners is very it's similar to Sicario, but it's very atmospheric and layered and and rich and dense. Um, and right. it's not kind of the classic. John Williams or other scores where you hear the strings part um, or it's got this strong theme. Although I think the score for Blade Runner, he's going to have to change his game up a little bit because Blade Runner is a very specific brand. Um, so it'll be right, interesting yeah, to see what he brings to, to it. Uh, 
hard to emulate Vangelis, I think. Yeah, but he can't. He can't emulate Vangelis. He has to do his own thing. Um, if Blade Runner 2049 is going to work, it's going to work in and of itself, and it's going to have to be its own thing. Um, and it's, the music is going to have to be as timeless as Vangelis without maybe even sounding like Vangelis. Maybe there'll be a, a, a hint of it here and there. We'll see how uh, Johansson well, plays that. Yeah, but, I mean, we heard that little teaser in the trailer. You can hear little snippets. Like, at the end, you start hearing the synthesizer. Yeah, yeah. And but I don't know like, who wow, did that music. That's, that's Blade Runner right there. You oh, it is. Tell. But we don't know if they took that from... If that's, I mean, obviously that's from Blade Runner. We know that, but I don't know if that music that was on the the trailer for twenty forty nine, if that was Johan Johansson. I don't think it was. Um, I think it was just music oh, okay. that they, they chose from Blade Runner to use. So it's going to be interesting to see if Johan uses synth. If he, you know, I, I don't know. And if he does, that's fine. But I, as much as I love the score for um, Arrival, I, I. Uh, I think he also has to make the soundtrack his own thing and not try and emulate Vangelis, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think he'll be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I fully, I fully trust that that's going to be a, a phenomenal film and the music's going to be oh, no doubt. only, only going to compliment it. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I can't wait. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, my recommendation, of course, for everyone to see Arrival. Uh, there's also people who don't really like it. Um, I've just noticed. And that's normal. People are going to not like things. That's it's okay. Why. You're allowed to have wrong opinions. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it sucks sometimes when people, you want people to really love something as much as you do. And sometimes hype kills things for people, you know. Um, and I was hyping Arrival, but Arrival works for me on, on, a, on a level that speaks to who I am as a person, as a very spiritual person, very philosophical person. Um, you know, I talk about the alien series. I talk about the sci-fi, um, because of the big questions. It's not about tech. I mean, I love the creature design. I love all the practical effects. I love those things too. I like the good one. It's just an afterthought really when you consider the thematic elements and all the cool shit going on. Yeah. Did I just say cool? Really? Breaking my promise already. <laughs> no, it is cool we've shit been, though. Uh, I think we've been all... trying to refine but... our show formula. So there we but... go. I think, but I think all of that cool stuff, like the costumes, the the guns, the creatures, the practical effects, all that stuff, it sweetens a pot that's already so sweet, which I think it makes it great. Um, what mm -hmm. makes Blade Runner even better are the practical effects, are the spinners, are the are the you know are the you know the the miniatures or the bigatures that they used for the Tyrell building. Um, which, by the way, uh, a, a quick aside: if if anyone has seen the original um, Stargate film with Jay Davidson and um, Mm -hmm. Kurt Russell, uh, the way that the, the pyramid opens and you hear the sounds, it's a homage to Blade Runner. It's very similar if you look at it. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. But uh, that, I mean, it makes the film all the better that it was, you know, I mean, I've been to the Bradbury building. I've been in and up into the Bradbury building where they filmed Blade Runner. Um, and it's much smaller than I th it looks on screen. Uh, it's still huge. Oh, wow. Um, but, and it's completely different atmosphere of course because they dressed it on blade runner but it was great to be yeah. in the building like on the same staircase on the same level that that harrison for that deckard was on you know 30 or yeah. however mm -hmm. many years ago it was 35 years ago or whatever um but uh and i love how there's reverence to that there's reverence to those scenes where these films were shot um because they resonate with us you know mm -hmm. much like absolutely yeah yeah, um, and just the, I remember the, um, 
really being blown away by the twists and arrival, you know, just all of a sudden <laughs> it just changed, changed the movie for me. Um, yeah. You turned it from having, like a really good movie to like mind blown level. Yeah. Yeah. And some idiot on YouTube, um, totally spoiled some big things uh, for me, you know, but, uh, and it was just a comment on the trailer for Arrival. This guy is like, oh, blah, 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 you know, these key plot points. And just like, I was just so pissed. But I was still blown away when I saw the movie. Like, it still didn't affect um, my enjoyment of it. But, uh, you know, just, um, you know, but it wasn't, obviously, it wasn't just the twist that made it amazing. The, the whole, the film as a whole was just. Um, oh, it's, it's breathtaking. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just on, like Jamie said, so many levels, and it was just, uh, and so timeless in its themes, and how it, uh, how it speaks to us as, as people, and hopefully it encourages us and challenges us to become better people, um, and to treat others with uh, love and compassion and kindness. Yeah, um, and, and that, yeah. everything is, what, what, and everything, um, and, and, and to question even ourselves and our motives, and to, to realize that, hey, um, just because something seems opposing doesn't mean it is opposing and give something right. some time, invest in a little bit and maybe it'll surprise you. And I think even, um, as cultures, maybe we, you know, there's, you know, as, as a, a, a human culture, as a society, an American society, sometimes we push up against things that we don't understand, whether it's fear right. of, of. Uh, Muslims, fear of the gay community, fear of whoever, but then you start talking to mm -hmm. these people and you realize they have mothers and fathers and they want to be successful and they want to get married or whatever just like everybody else mm -hmm. and um, they're not out to destroy anyone. Um, right. But, but then we also, we, we also we have to notice that um, much like, you know, even in the Alien series, you know, there's this there's the company, you know, Wayland yutani who are kind of, they're out for they're out to get a weapon that's going to be important to them, and it's going to be, uh, it's going to change the game for them, and it's expensive, um, and, and it's it's something that they can use. And what becomes is they've they've lost their humanity as a corporation, where where the crew is expendable, the the marines are expendable, the prisoners are expendable, everyone's expendable to get this thing, um, and. Um, we yeah, have to kind of be. Company doesn't value humanity. Yeah, and we live. Yeah. and we live in a, in, a, in a reality as people where we see that happening, where we have pharmaceutical companies, you know, price gouging uh, the EpiPen by what? What was it like two thousand percent? So now it's oh, yeah. cost preventative or cost prohibitive for people who need it to save their lives. Um, and then you have, uh, what was it, CVS that came out with a generic alternative that, that only cost yes. like $6 yes. or $60 I or did something. see that, which is awesome. And it's, yes. it, it reminds me of that line um, by Ripley, that famous line, you don't see them fucking each other over for a goddamn percentage. Um, but we're seeing that. We're seeing that in corporations today not caring about human life. We'd rather see people stay sick so that we can make money off them. Um, mm -hmm. or we're not going to help you because you have a pre-existing condition. I mean, we, we're seeing all of these things play out in our lives. We live with the company um, in many right. ways. And, and there are people we know who are Ripley's, who are all sorts of, like, who are Fox Mulders who are like, no, 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 no. Let's expose these people for who they are, you know? Right. Um, because mm -hmm. uh, look at us and see our humanity. Um, and again, back to Blade Runner, that's um, uh, 
Roy Batty and everybody almost succumb to this human condition of, oh, we're better than you because of who we are. We're better than you because right. we are not Muslim. We're better than you because we are not gay. We're better than you because we are not black. Um, as opposed mm -hmm. to, it doesn't matter what you are. We're all in this together. We're all living on this wor world together. Um, and it's kind of schmaltzy, sentimental, whatever, but it's true. Um, yeah, we're we're yeah. all in this together, and if we can realize that, I think uh, we can change the world with it. But, you know, it's a decision we all have to make individually. Um, yeah. And that's a hard decision to make when you're a corporation up and running. Um, and profits, you know, you got to please the shareholders, you know, like the Wayland Yutani, like, you know, even, you know, in, a, in Arrival, you got to, there's all these people you have to please, these steps you have to, to walk up to please all these right. people. So you have to like, well, you have to think about everybody else. You just can't think about one person. But if a corporation is thinking about one person, that's a good corporation, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think that's a wrap. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, that's you... like an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes of yeah. material right there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, that was great. I, I think so, too. Uh, but, yeah, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, we just wanted to get in our show. Um, obviously, there's still a lot going on with Alien Covenant. I think the viral va marketing is going to be uh, rolling itself out. We have a, a guest uh, that's going to be on our show um, uh, who worked on Alien Covenant, but he's not going to be on our show until actually after the movie's released because really we're we're not – if it was on our show now, he really couldn't talk about anything. And for me, that's like a, a, a dick tease. I, I don't – I want to hear about the movie. I don't want, don't tease me about yeah, it. You right. know? I want to hear you talk yeah. about what it was like every day, all that kind of thing. And really, uh, yeah. people are embargoed until that time. Um, to... Blue balls are no fun. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everybody for listening. Pete, it's good to have you back. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me back, guys. And Ryan, thanks mm -hmm. again, as always. And uh, we'll get this up soon. Thank you. I've seen. Attack ships on fire on the shore of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near ten hours a day. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears.